gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Yes, 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 we are back again in the building, literally in the building. We are at Two Pen Plaza in New York City, and our guest today, special, special guest, a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a veteran. Uh, radio and and television personality, Mr. Mark Clark. How you doing, Mark? Man, I'm I'm, I'm great. I'm I'm excited about your podcast, man. I see you doing your thing. I'm watching you. I'm jealous. I'm like, my man's a pro. Look at Doc. Uh, funny. So, Mark, uh, for my listeners who don't know, uh, has hosted top-rated morning shows in many cities: St. Louis, Baltimore, uh, Washington D.C. He's appeared national television and radio commercials for Subway, Folgers. Uh, Mark also published his own book entitled 60 Days to the Real Me, How <laughs> Juice Fasting Gave Me Back My Health. And probably uh, the biggest accomplishment out of all of this, he's been married for 17 years with three children to his lovely wife, Allison. So Yeah, that's right. Very that's... happy to have him on the show. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. And uh, so we're going to jump right in. You know, on the truth prescription, our, our goal is to to focus on truth, to deal with truth. The premise is that all successful people, no matter their industry, have had to go through and deal with certain truths. And it was sort of accepting those truths mm. that allowed them to be, ultimately become successful. So I know in your in your long uh, history, your long range, uh, all the things that you've done, you've got to have some nuggets for the listeners. I got some nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> so let's jump right in. Why don't we start with uh, with a professional truth? Tell us a story maybe about something that, um, I mean, I said 20 years. I think it's probably closer to 30 <laughs> years, right? That right. You've been doing right. this. About 30 years. Yeah. And, and there are there are a couple uh, mixed in there. I think the, the first one that comes to mind, I think, was was my childhood and watching my mother. My mother worked for Social Security. Okay. She worked for Social Security. So this is a personal. We, we're going to do the personal truth first. Personal first? Okay, we'll do the personal. Talk, you're going to talk about Well, mom. you know what? It's, it, it, it's, it's career, too. It is. Okay, it's, it's well, mixed, go ahead. It's mixed in, probably. Okay. So watching my mother at Social Security, um, two things that I think I took away okay. from, from the situation. Uh, number one, she had a boss that really liked her. And uh, I'm from Springfield, Illinois. I was born in Detroit. Okay. She moves back to Springfield after having me. I was three years old okay. to take care of her father, who was my grandfather, who was in his 80s. We moved into the family home. She comes back. She's working Social Security. And she, she felt like, you know, it was safer to be around family. So she's working Social Security. The guy who uh, initially gave her the job was going to Detroit. He's mm. going back, and he wanted her to go. Okay. And, she, and she, she decided not to go because... Uh, she was back home. Okay. Now, as soon as he left, like as soon as the door closed, her job became like a living hell. Wow. Everybody kind of dumped on her. You mm. know, they they pretty much looked at her as the favorite. 
And so uh-huh. the people that she trained, they demoted her, put them on top of her. Wow. And, uh, and she just hated her job. And I saw my mom change from somebody who was always fly and made her own clothes. And <laughs> you know what I mean? It was my mom. And yeah. I look forward to picking me up because she had something to like somebody who was beat down by the system. And wow. I think that made me say, I'm going to pursue my passion and not okay. uh, work at a job that I don't like. Okay. And another thing was, which is kind of probably more professional, was when you're in a job and somebody who uh, has power either wants to hire you or wants to take you with them, you got to go. Got because it. right. it's kind of right. like that person is asking you to go for a reason. They have plans mm. for you. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, they want to bring you along. They want to yeah. bring you along. And, they, and they're probably, and so sure enough, the people that left, they retired as GS whatever's. <laughs> and my mom had to take early retirement, you know, wow. with high blood pressure and diabetes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> thank you and thank you. <laughs> right. That's terrible. Right. Man. Wow. You know, but wow. what I got out of it was uh, the love of radio, which yeah. I had media, I right. pursued it. From day one, you know, from high school and grade school, high school and on. Was it something before um, before seeing that, I guess, before seeing that, that wasn't something that you had thought about. Was it seeing that happen to your mom make you say, hmm, maybe I need to pay attention to this? Or because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out, was it something that you were ignoring? Or maybe at that time you didn't really know what you wanted to do? When did you figure out you wanted to do radio? Well, that happened, I think, when um, in grade school, um, I think, uh, and I, see, I'm messing up your whole show, Doc. <laughs> it's all good. I'm messing up good. the whole show because <laughs> if if I go back to personal. Okay, let's go back to personal. Go back to personal, small town America, okay. living on the other side of the tracks, not necessarily you know, living in the projects. Okay. But, you know, my mom my mom works for Social Security, so that's not a bad job. Right. But it was on the other side of the tracks. Okay. And I think it became apparent when busing started, because busing started in a small little Springfield when I was uh, in fourth grade. Okay. And so this this would be a story that did change my life and maybe taps into to why I like media, because I never really thought about this far back, thanks to your podcast. <laughs> uh, so, so busing starts, and in Springfield, unlike every other place's, People kept their kids in school. So the wealthy kept their kids in the school system. And so when busing started, those of us on the other side of the tracks got bused to the better side of the tracks. Got and it. those on the other side of the tracks got bused into the hood. So it, <laughs> what it did was it raised the school. It, it made all the schools pretty much equal. Okay, in Springfield it. at the time, which was a great, which is great because yeah. I think that was what the theory was anyway. But normally the wealthy take their kids out. Now, right. so in this... Uh, system where I, I you know, left the, my neighborhood school and went into uh, a school that probably was a more upper middle class school. I noticed that I was, I was, uh, you know, a communicator in my school, but this school I became like a superstar. They mm. hadn't seen a lot of black kids. Yeah. Whereas in my school <laughs> I couldn't make the basketball team. At this school right. I was like Enjoy. Charles. I was the man. <laughs> I was, I was like Charles Barkley. I was around the round, the round, round, round of rebound. rebound. <laughs> Fourth grade, just giving it to him. I was nice. You know, whereas in my neighborhood school I was, you know, football was my thing. Right. You know, flag football. Sure. But when basketball came, it was look at me over here i was just handled it was athletic you know (laughs) and the part that that, that trips me out about when i started just thinking about this time where i did have this like my self-esteem i was i was the only child and had good self-esteem anyway so let me just i was i was fine but it, it did elevate it because i was like winning in this new environment yeah and the part that i was tripping on was why was i like with my new white friends 
hanging out with their parents and talking yeah. politics and yeah. talking comedy. I was like, that's weird. You know, it's yeah, kind of, but, but, it, but it made me, I think, feel like, you know, my communication skills were at a certain level because I really did relate to these parents. And I, right. now that I'm a parent, they probably were in their 30s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, and and, and I, I was like a pop culture guy because I was from a, a town which was middle America. And so I really related, and I think that gave me the confidence. So I did the announcements, you know, in fourth grade. Uh-huh. I did the announcements. I did anything where basically there was like a microphone. Sure. I was kind of the guy. Okay. And it kind of emboldened me from a standpoint athletically but just in general I think because but again I was wasn't like I was like picked on or anything I mean you know you, you know how it is in the in the hood you're going to be I was fat so you got called fat you of know course. that kind of stuff right. but it just made me almost like have more confidence and so okay. that probably sparked the uh, interest and then the Howard Cosells of the world I remember having conversations I loved Howard Cosell and that whole his thing with Ali and I had these conversations with grown folks and kids too but mainly grown folks it was weird I, I really it is it weird. All, it, yeah. it, and the teachers you know the, the te- I think the teachers was all. I think all probably what happened was the teachers also was their first experience with people of color on this level sure. and they were almost like I was like a toy you know it was almost <laughs> like hey he's he's like me you know it was like yeah you know we're all we're all pretty much the same plate <laughs> <Right>. collector's <laughs> item <laughs> so doc i don't know if that story is all over the place sorry about that but no no you know. I, I mean basically you're illustrating how when you're thrust into a, a an environment um you can make the best of it and you know? it also in my experience when you know when you when you're in the hood yeah and let's just talk about race. Sure. My white friends that I went to school with from day one, they were in working class, lower, you know, working class or lower class. You know, that's kind of where they came from. Yeah. This experience into upper middle class America, it confirmed that we're all the same. The right. first time, the yes. first time I ever had five bologna right. was at my friend Alan's house, <laughs> who lived, you know, who was like, you know, the first time they had a hamburger helper. The first time I had that was at Alan's house. Wow! I was like, yeah. wait a minute, this is they got all the money, you know, they have money. Right? No, everybody's struggling, yeah. and I could even tell the you could fear the, you could feel the struggle that they were having maintaining that lifestyle. Okay, I felt that like, and I'm a kid just noticing. Wow. And it was deep, you know, it was yeah. like, wow. And you saw like the social, the social implications too, that again, I think people don't, a lot of times when it comes to race, because people don't have real r- relationships, mm-hmm. they, they have all these uh, theories okay. versus reality. So, it, so the busing piece helped me get into households and really see how the other half lives. Exactly. And you realize it's all the same. It really is the same. The struggles are the same in a lot of ways. You know, the challenges are a lot of yeah. the same, you know. I had, I had a similar experience. Um, I went to music camp when I was like... I don't know, 11 or 12. And at, at that point, I had always gone to majority uh, black schools. And so I was the only black kid in this camp in Sweden, Maine, way up. It was because <laughs> a, 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 I played viola for some years. And um, it was kind of weird at first because, you know, I'm like the only black kid. But to your point, I started realizing they're people just like us. They argue, they, you know, they talk shit, they, they make mistakes. There's some stupid ones and some smart ones. And it just really demystified this whole idea of, you know, quote unquote, uh, difference or superiority or whatever. So I, I think, I think it's important. Also for, you know, your kids, I, I heard, you know, I've read an interview where you, I think it was your wife was saying that your kids, they grow up in a, in a, in a basically majority white environment, but you still try to make sure that they're exposed to, oh, yeah. um, uh, their, 
you know African American uh, uh, African uh, cultural experiences. Yeah, you so have to. I important. think that's I think that's crucial. Yeah, uh, parents have to really inform their kids. I think that regardless of color, I think parents are a big part of informing them of how the world works. Yeah, because what happens is the world's going to hit you in the face, and if you're if a parent, if you're not informing them then they just, they, they go, wait a minute, this is not what mom and dad said. Because yeah. some parents don't talk about it. Yeah. Some parents don't talk about it. Oh, it doesn't exist. No, we talk about it all the time. And so what's happened is they start to see it, and then they're like, oh, this is what you're talking about. Right. You know, and I think, sadly, I think that's, you really do have to do that. You can't, that whole, like, um, I mean, though we're saying that people are people, now the, the system does not play it that way. Right. We know that. Right. I know that yes. people are people. Like I, I, Great I, point. It, it, I, you know, I know that. I know it. I have again. Point. Why? I have white friends. Right. That I was at their house. You know what right. I'm saying? It's not a theory. Right. But the system, though, is a different animal. You it know, is. and sadly, yeah. in each city, each country is different. But I mean, having that base level. It probably does help me as a communicator because I can pretty much rock any crowd. I understand. I can be funny in any room. Yeah. I can be relatable in any room. But at the same time, I know what's really going on, too. Yeah. Because it's real. It's real out there. It is real. Yeah, my dad calls it uh, changing cultural channels. You're able to do that. Code switching. So let's let's jump into the the personal. Um, Talk about uh, any personal uh, difficulty or obstacle that you faced. That well, you had to accept the truth about something in order to get through it. I think, and again, I'm sorry. My again, I'm I'm kind of messing up your concept. <laughs> it's all, but good. it's it's it, you're not messing it cause up because because <laughs> to be honest, they're blurred together. Okay, so let's say let's talk on it. the the the, the Mark Clark. So you know, I go to I so I went to junior college. Okay, you know, like I said, I did all the announcements in my little small town, and I wanted to go to Howard. Okay, and when I say H-E. I wanted to go to Howard University. But I didn't know anybody who went to Howard University or an H- HBCU. I didn't have any college experience. Yeah. It really was just, and that's what's funny about life. I think in a lot of cases, you don't know. I yeah. mean, if, if no one went before you, you don't know. Yeah. So when I realized that my, my C grades <laughs> were not going to give me any scholarships, I had the, I came to the harsh realization on Christmas at my cousin's house when my mom told me, I said, I'm like, where are you, you going to go to school? I'm going to go to Howard University. Are you going to Lincoln Land Community College? That was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> so <laughs> off to Lincoln Land Community College, I went uh, okay. for two years. And I, I applied at Howard, but I thought the HBCU school would be cheaper than the state school. But it was not. It was not. It's a private school. Yeah. So anyway, I go to, I go to you know, junior college two years. I went to my four-year college, SIU Carbondale, for two years. So I did two and two. I got in and got out. Majored in radio, television, broadcasting. And at that point, it was all about radio, all about, you know, I tried to do TV. I, 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 did, I did TV in school. I got out, and nobody hired me. They said, you need more experience, even though I did everything you could do in college. Sure. But, you know, TV's interesting. It's harder to get into. So radio was my first, my radio thing. So it was all about my career, you know. And so I did Huntsville, Alabama. I did um, Charleston, Saint, Charleston, South Carolina. And then in St. Louis was that kind of, I think, a wake-up call where, you know, it was all about my career. I would date people, but in my mind, and I even say, hey, if I get a job offer in Chicago, I'm going to Chicago. Yeah. I basically was saying, you know, my career is my priority. Sure. St. Louis was a wake-up call in that I was very popular. I, was the, I wasn't the leader. I was the co-host. Yeah. And when it came to time to re-up, I got played on the money. And I think sort of for the first time, 
and I really worked hard. I said, you know what? I'm gonna. You saying when your when your contract ended and it was trying it was, for a new contract? Yeah. They tried to shaft you somehow. Yeah, they sh- give they, you less they, or they, they not only shafted me ten dollars more. Or, yeah, you know. they not only shafted me. The new general manager, he he aggressively tr- put me in my tried to put me in my place. Me and my my partner, who's a, a great friend, one of my closest friends, he was like, hey, let's pay Mark. Even if I t- I'll take a pay cut. Yeah. I want to put Mark's name on the show. I want him to be, you know, that are fairly compensated. They're like, okay. Now, he's saying this to the general manager, sure. right? General manager was pretty new. You know, black guy. He's one of those guys. You ever have a boss who, <laughs> uh, can we can we cuss on the thing? Yes, yes. The, the big penis guy. He's that guy. <laughs> you know, the guy, <laughs> the guy who's... He comes into a room, comes right. to a situation. He lays it on the table. He lays it on the before table before he starts talking. Yeah. So my 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 man is telling him I want what I want to do with Mark, you know, and whatever. He listens, right? Right. So then, and I'm not saying it. He right. said. So then he goes to, you know, I see him the next day. He sees he sees us sitting in the lounge. He comes by. He said, "Hey, you know, I talked to uh, I talked to your boss, the uh, program director. He said uh, Mark really isn't that important. You're the star of the show. Mark's not." Wow, and so it was like, wow. okay, like, that, but that that still has nothing to do with you getting paid. <laughs> and so uh, when when it was time to re up, my man got his six figures and his new Mac, <laughs> and wow. I got my like thirty seven thousand. <laughs> wow, and it was like, you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm putting all this into career. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to put some time into my personal life. Yeah. And that's when I met Alice and my wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was weird. Yeah. So I think that was the switch because it was the wake-up call like, okay, you, it's all about your career, quote-unquote. Right. But what does that really mean? Yeah. You know, and you're going to just, your whole life. And even if the the job, I mean, and so that was when, you know, I had my little booty call rotation going at the time. Course, you know what I'm saying? Got to keep it in rotation. But this is when I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and when you're single, I'm, I'm making that uh, <laughs> exactly that, when you're single. That disclaimer for all the <laughs> women listening, including my wife. <laughs> when rotation, you're single, when you're single, booty okay. call rotations. <laughs> uh, remember those days. Yeah. So then I met Allison. She, I met her on the fir- her first day in town. I actually okay. met her, and wow. the, re- the rest is history. Been married for 17 years. So, so that moment was. Putting time into my personal life. Yeah, so the true prescription there for you was almost like focusing on what you could control. Right. um, Rather than what you couldn't control. Exactly. And, 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 And also, like, you know, just like the college thing, we're we're in the hunt, but what are you really in the hunt of and for and why? You know what I mean? When you're in college? No, like I'm saying, just like my college uh, observation when I said, "Oh, I'm going to go to Howard." Okay. Okay. Do you know how college works? Do you even know? Do you even know what you're doing? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I just in my plucked that out of the universe right, and right. said, "I'm going to do this," and had no idea of how it worked. Right. Like well, how much it cost, how much whatever, and so I think we do that with career sometimes. Two people say, "Yeah, I want you know, yeah, yeah." Uh, it's all about my career. Okay, it's all about your career, huh? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What's the mo- how much money is it? So if yeah. okay, it's it's a hundred thousand. Is that it? Now right. can you settle down? It's a, it's a million. Okay, now can you settle down? Right. I have a friend who I did I did um, mornings with in Charleston who now is on ESPN. Wow. You know, makes awesome. a million plus a year. Awesome. The crazy part was he, <laughs> you know, now there's a lot of people tricking. And there's a lot of people, you know, because the athletes and the rappers, there's almost like this whole culture of almost kept women. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? They're okay. fine. They're fly. Right. They date so-and-so who's the point guard for so-and-so. They date so-and-so who's a multimillionaire and gifted. So these... Oh, they date multiple they, dudes. Right. And so, uh, you know, they had... And, and the guys they date are all famous or rich. Mm-hmm. So guys who are, you know... You know, my man makes a million plus. Yeah, yeah, he's got some. But money. he, but he ain't making little Wayne money. Sure. So it's interesting. You know, it's like a whole world out there that I'm foreign. I don't know about. Right. But that's kind of going on. Okay. Where it's like, um, you know, uh, you know, almost like, yeah, she, you know, she likes me, but you know, she used to date so and so who's worth fifty million dollars. And I can't measure up to that. I never got into that uh-huh. game. I never got into that I game. I see what you're saying. It's like, what are you chasing? The golden calf? Like, you know, you're chasing something that really has no real value. Yeah, it doesn't have a real value. Yeah, and yeah. I, makes sense. And, and makes so sense. I, you know, and so I got the, you know, when I met Allison and we did the family thing, that, interestingly enough, following, Allison led me to the biggest job of my career. Mm. You know, so, this I, you know, she, yeah. I met, met her in St. Louis. We were... She was a news anchor her first day. When we got engaged in um we got engaged in June. Mm-hmm. And we got engaged in June. She was making fifty thousand and I was making like forty. Mm-hmm. She got a job in DC and I followed her out to DC and landed my job in Baltimore. And when we got married in April, you know, I was making a hundred thousand plus. Wow. Yeah. And she was making like Less than I was, wow. you know, like a hundred, hundred, wow. and so That's amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then, so now it's like now it's a I got a family and the fame piece or whatever the success piece success, was. Yeah. I, I always when I was on the radio, it never was about stardom. I always wanted to make a difference. So now here I'm in Baltimore with a show that was conscious. I mean, it was fun. It was fun, successful, right. but it was conscious. You know, I'm talking about my family. Yeah. We're talking about positive things. And what I learned was people were starving. People are starving for that information who don't have it. Yeah. And they loved it. You know, Baltimore, you would think that a D.C., because it's more cosmopolitan, would have it and Baltimore wouldn't. But no, D.C. didn't really have it. Baltimore had it, and they appreciated it yeah. because nobody was telling. You know, people want to know, just like me in college. I, they want to know. Well, how does marriage work, and mm-hmm. and why don't people talk about their families on the radio? And right. and so it, it was a very good fit there. Okay, you know? well that's great because that actually leads me to my first question. Yes, sir. So that was perfect segue. Um, so you've been married for seventeen years, which is a you know big accomplishment. Kudos to you. Three hey. hand, three hand claps. <laughs> um, with with three three daughters. What uh, what makes your marriage work from your perspective? And the reason I said from your perspective, meaning um, if tomorrow, this is not going to happen, but let's say tomorrow your wife became a complete asshole, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So taking her out of the equation, what makes it work from your perspective? What do you do to make it work? Um, I, I, I really, I think the first thing for a successful marriage is it's the commitment to it. Okay. Like, ain't no, when I got married, again, I'm an only child, so I enjoy <laughs> being too. by myself. You understand? Yeah, me We're too. We're good. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to add anybody. Right. I didn't have to add anybody. Yeah. So, Allison, that tells you how perfect she is in that I wanted to add her to my life. Yeah. And so, when I got married, I got married forever. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't doing it to play. I wasn't like, let me try this out. Right. We both came in like, we had me married. Yeah, and so there's very little that could happen, especially now. Infidelity, 
No, pretty much nothing could ruin. Nothing would probably end it unless you came home and said, "I don't love you no more." I'd be like, "All right." <laughs> but other than that, you know what I mean? If she said, "Oh, it was a weekend and Idris Elba was in town and I couldn't help myself," oh no, I'd be like, "Look, <laughs> now what happened now? <laughs> now what happened?" I mean, right, right, right. it's not. It's funny because I remember I dated this girl and she she had a kid and I asked her, you know, I was like, "Would you ever cheat on me?" She's like, "I don't know." I was like, I was, I was pissed, man. I was like, what do you mean you don't know? You don't know. I was so offended. But now being, being married, she's being honest. Yeah, she was yeah, being honest. She'd been through some. She'd been through some things. Yeah, yeah. Now being married though, now I can say that infidelity won't. That that ain't gonna be. It's gonna be more than that to break up our thing. Right, right. Um, because that, that'll definitely cause some uh, trust issues. Some trust yeah, issues, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, seventeen years is 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 probably repairable. Um, you know, you and I actually have something in common. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Baltimore, <laughs> well, single. Not, yeah, <laughs> not just not just Baltimore, but we both, uh, well, you have three girls. I'm going to have three girls by <laughs> by the time October gets here. Uh, Congratulations, my, my third, Doc. My third girl will be here uh, October the uh, the 12th or before or after. But Congratulations, she, Doc. Thank Good you. news. Thank you. Great news. Great news. Man. So... You know, and people say, you know, that I wasn't a real man because, I, because you know, I'm not able to make a oh, uh, son, right? But I love Kobe Bryant's quote. He's like, it takes a, a real king to make queen. Right? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, That's I, a good one. That's I good love one. that. So I, I just wanted you to talk about your girls and, and the challenge, challenges and joy, joys of being a father to girls. You know, the thing, I think the thing that, um, this what stands out about being a father to girls. My wife... And probably speaks to our relationship. My wife adores her father. Mm-hmm. My wife's father, my father-in-law, is probably one of the most amazing men I've ever met. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant, you know, Peace Corps director, mm. went to Harvard, went to Fisk, went to, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's that guy. Yeah. Africa, India, world traveler, he's a mm-hmm. minister, he's a great man. And what I realized is Allison's love and respect for her father allows me a lot of leverage because yeah. that's what she her expectations are and her beliefs are for me. Yeah. So when I lost my job in 2008 and I was underemployed for 6 years, mm. she's ride or die. You yeah. know what I'm saying? 6 she, years. 6 wow. years. She, there was no wow. I don't know if this going there was nothing. Vacations didn't stop, you know. Mm. Everything remained the same cuz you wanted the girls to for it to remain the same. And so her belief in her father allows her to believe in me. Mm-hmm. So that's very, I think that's important. And I think, sadly, that's what a lot of sisters don't have. Yeah. I didn't have it. That's I mean, true. my father was, you know, I remember dad once. And so when you don't have it, when those turbulent times happen. You said happen, you only met your dad once? I met my dad once, Well, yeah. that's a topic for the truth prescription. Good Lord. I guess I got missed that one. <laughs> that, and that tells you Whoa. probably how. Wow. That probably tells you how. Yeah. You know. Yeah, how, that I didn't how, even, how not present he is in your psyche right you know, for him, right for you not i mean you sort of mentioned it as a whim in relation to another question exactly so interesting it which is and it's sad and i and i vowed that that would never be me ah. and so that's probably a part of that's probably i should have asked that could have been a big part of it yeah. but um yeah so that's one thing i'll say that her belief in him allowed her to believe in me yeah um and then for my girls um it's really like really just you know, teaching them, you know, yeah. teaching them. I think we're, we're, we genuinely like each other and our family, I was thinking, that's our main thing, you know, mm-hmm. our family, that's our thing. So yeah. I don't have a 
my boys. I don't have my boy. I don't have the, I have my family. You know. Yeah. So that's kind of how we rock. You know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. My, you know, I agree with you. My my own theory is that I feel that a lot of times when women don't have their father in their lives, and I've seen this in my own relationships. Um, like my wife, same thing. Like she adores her father, and so there's a certain level of respect. Um. And love that that I just I kind of just get off off GP and it's kind of like up to me to mess it up right 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 definitely. but I, I've been in other situations where the father wasn't there or the father died or whatever the situation was where I just feel like when they don't have that presence then they themselves try to generate or mimic that masculine energy within themselves and they yeah. come very sort of harsh and hard and and confrontational and it's like uh, no like that's there's nothing about what's going on right here that's feminine <laughs> you know that's all true. this yelling and screaming and throwing things and cussing like that that's not feminine that's not yeah you know and so i think when the father's there it allows like for instance your wife allows her to sort of play her natural feminine role yeah and it's it's beautiful yeah, I had I had a I had a girlfriend like that, and it was it, I realized, like you said, so I'm I'm not a type A, I'm probably an A B or whatever. Yeah, but you're right. She would she would she would kind of move like that, and it would just it would just be. Uh, you know, it would just be a turnoff. I would just be like, <laughs> she, she, would, she would just turn me off. You know what I mean, it would just be like, <laughs> literally, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here, and it'd be over something stupid. You right. know, it was like, wow, really? She didn't know how. There's a way to say something, a way to do something. She didn't really know how to navigate. And yeah. I do think some people fit into that, yeah. that role. Yeah, you know, yeah. Talk a little bit about, you know, you've been a host for a long time. You've been doing this for a long time. Talk about. You know about being a host and how those skills sort of transfer into your your personal professional relationships. I think the um, what I like about myself and I think the this probably my <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Is my my <laughs> wife is saying exactly what you just said. She's like, oh really? Oh really? Um, you know, I I genuinely I genuinely care. Okay. About not only uh, hopefully this story or this interview or this whatever will be a positive. Uh, inspiration to people listening. Okay, I genuinely, in my normal day of life, when you know, my wife says, "Well, you never meet a stranger," because whatever you do, if you're a butthole cleaner or a doctor, <laughs> here we go again. With <laughs> I'll ask, you know, so I say, "What do you do?" And then you right. tell me what you do, right. and I genuinely am interested. I mean, I really am, and yeah. I, I don't know. I think you just program that way. Yeah, I genuinely am interested. I'm not BSing you because people say. Like, people always say, I don't like to go to so-and-so because we make small talk. For me, yeah. it's really not small talk. I genuinely am curious. Okay. So you say, because, you know, what people do or whatever, whatever comes up, I, I genuinely like to understand how people think. Like, with you, like, as a a doctor mm-hmm. and a creative, yeah. and, and I don't have to say, I mean, not, not that one precludes the other. I'm just saying, you're a smart guy who also is an artistic guy. Yeah. That's very fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you have a lot of brain power. Um, <laughs> and so we could talk forever. You know what I mean? Because getting inside that mind, yeah. I don't have that. Okay. <laughs> I ask good questions, <laughs> right. but I don't have a lot of brain power. <laughs> you know, I don't know about I mean, that. I mean, what I'm saying is understanding. You obviously yeah. are kind of, you understand things quickly. That's your thing. I've, yeah. I'm intrigued by, have friends like that. You yeah. know, they understand systems quickly. Yeah. And, the, and, and, and my mind doesn't really work like that. I'm, I'm very intuitive yeah. and I'm very kind of like, um, you know, it it really does. I mean, I'm an ultimate communicator. I think that's yeah. my my strength is I will ask the question, yeah. but I may not understand how you got to that. You <laughs> okay, know, you know. Basically, you you handle the way that you approach radio the same way you approach your relationship. That you're genuinely interested in 
whether it's a friend or whether it's somebody you're interviewing, exactly. what they have to say, why they have to say, why they think in a particular way they're thinking. Yes, okay. how, you, how you created it. And I think that with artists and stuff, it's good because now you know, they have a body of work that I've, I usually do my research on yeah. and I'm intrigued by. So that adds another layer. I'm fascinated by singers and musicians because yeah. I, did, I did do that. And I think the... Um, <laughs> I saw your Molly Music interview. That was cool. I enjoy it. And then also I think when I... When I the the celebrity or whatever you want to call it that comes with doing what we do you know yeah. radio television um, I never bought into that either so when yeah. I when I when I was Mark Clark uh, the regular guy or Allison Seymour's husband which I yeah. am in in DC sure I'm cool with that because yeah. I I never bought the hype because I make you know I did the same thing when I made fourteen five in Huntsville <laughs> Alabama as when I made three hundred thousand plus in Baltimore yeah. I was the same guy. Yeah. Or when I made uh, 25000 after I got let go. <laughs> you know, so it's, I never bought the hype of what all this is, you know. Okay. And I think that's important, too. People can get caught up. It's not really. I'm not like, I'm not a doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like a doctor. I can't save a life. You can save a life right now. I cannot. Yeah. I yeah. can. Uh, with a team, with a team, but yes. I can put a record on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't save your life. <laughs> Uh, let's say last night the G- DJ saved my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I might I might put that song. You like oh oh really? Here you go. Let's put this Teddy Pendergrass on. Man, I was That's about to I commit got. suicide. When Mark <laughs> Clark played this song. I'm just gonna go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that happened. Well, you know that did a listener did try to commit suicide one time. And wow. I, did, I did actually go to her house. Wow. Lesson to people who are trying to commit suicide: write the letter before you take the sleeping pills. Because mm. the letter just said. Right, it was a one line. Right, that's <laughs> one line. It's hilarious. All right, let's jump into uh, yes or BS. Okay, like it. So this is a segment that uh, uh, I make a statement, <laughs> and then Mark Clark says yes or BS. If you don't, if you agree with it, say yes. If you don't agree with it, say BS. And then you can, you know, add why, why, why not, or not add. It's up mm. to you. Some some things, you know. A best left unsaid, so you can just leave it there. I like I like this segment, man. Great. All right, and I put my radio voice. On. You you have a great voice, by the way. I I was like, man, I, it's my voice against his voice. He's got a great voice. I gotta get my get my get my radio voice together. Well, no, but you have a great voice. No, see, you know, yeah, I don't have that. I don't have the. Uh, what's my man? I have Lenny Green's voice. You know what I'm saying he has the voice <laughs> of God. That, but but voice is not. You're like me. You have right. an expressive voice. Right, right. That's just as powerful. Okay. Yeah, well, for the Yes or BS segment, I usually try to go a little more radio. So here we go. Okay, good. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Many black Christian Baptist preachers focus on the show over the message. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Number two. A successful radio show must be entertainment-based. Well, uh, yes, and I say when I say you say entertainment based, mm-hmm. it has to be entertaining. I mean, nobody wants to listen to paint dry. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it, it doesn't mean you know. I think yes, you have to be entertaining to get the listeners. You you have to present whatever you're talking about in an entertaining way. Okay, you know what I mean? I think uh, it can't just be facts. It can't because if you're not entertaining people, they won't stick around. Okay, got it. Number three. Completing the 100-day raw journey was more difficult than 17 years of marriage. No. <laughs> <laughs> BS. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Is yeah, I'm BS? sorry. Yes or BS? No, I mean, you can say what you want, but I'm just clarifying. It's BS. You know... You're going to like this next one. Yeah. All right. Number four. During the Raw Diet, Mark Clark's stroke game was similar to Viagra. <laughs> uh, sadly, BS. <laughs> Dang, sadly, BS. And it was funny because I heard, I heard my wife and her girlfriends, they were inquiring. They were trying to get up in the bedroom. Like, yo, Mark been on them juices for like seven. Allison was like, eh. <laughs> eh. That's hilarious. I was like, dang. <laughs> really, Allison? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Number five. Facebook should do more to halt live stream violence and killings. Yes. Okay. Number six. Jay-Z's 444 kills Kendrick Lamar's damn. Uh, BS, <laughs> but I, I do love what Jay's doing. Okay. The growth and maturity, yeah. what he's saying, I do love it. I love it. Um, you know, I think Kendrick is now, but Jay-Z is uh, forever. forever. And he's actually, I think, that whole thing about rapping when you're 50, why yeah. not? Yeah. It's a prime example. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I, Langston you know. Hughes did it. Why, it's, it's, why would you limit an art form? Right. In fact, I was like starting to think about where did it even come from? Like, yeah. That's not really smart. I mean, if anybody who's whatever you're doing, you're gonna be better at it as you, the longer you do it. You know. <laughs> um, number seven, R and B music now is less soulful than in the 1990s. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Number eight, syndicated morning shows stifle local radio DJs. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Number nine. Men that cheat don't love their wives. BS. Uh, no comment. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you want to expound on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's really <clears throat> managing your responsibilities, man, and people fall yeah. short. Yeah. I think the, you know, a lot of times it's ego. A lot of times it's opportunity. I think the one thing about fame, not even just fame, like if you are a successful guy, let's say you're a successful black guy mm -hmm. and you're a great looking guy. Mm -hmm. um, or just average. You know, or just average. <laughs> uh, what I, I guess what I'm focusing on, the full court press mm. of oh, a beautiful woman. This. Yeah, we talked about this a earlier. Full, if, if, if any guy, if you're honest, if any guy's yeah. honest and you ask yourself, you know, a lot of us have not had the full court press right. of a beautiful woman. So it's right. like, nah, you know, you have some people you like, well, that guy's my wife. My right. wife's a bad, my wife's bad. Yeah, she's bad. She's yeah, bad. She's beautiful. And so, she's beautiful. It's, yeah. and I used to always say, you know, beautiful. And then my wedding ring, and I used to have a tight watch. And I, I, my joke was, can you mess with this hand? <laughs> can you mess with this? Look at my wife on right. TV right. and look at this hand. <laughs> Ask yourself the question. And very few can mess with the hand, okay? You know what I'm saying? So it was like, for me, like, but you know. Repeat, repeat what you had said before off, off mic about, you said if if uh, such and such. Remember you were like, if, if Beyonce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell that story. The full court press. Like, right. you could say, oh, man, you know, you're married. Don't cheat on your wife. But if Beyonce, 
If Beyonce, whoever your fantasy is, right. mine is, uh, what's that one sister? I can't think of her name. Anyway, if Beyonce <laughs> is like stepping to you for real, hard. I'll do hard. Do I'll do anything you want me to do for you? I don't know. I'm saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not talking about me. I'm saying in general, the average guy. And that's what happens with celebrities and stuff. Or, or just even regular guy. You know, the bad chick. I don't know, man. The full court press. And like Chris Rock, the, it's a joke, but it's a fact. <laughs> Women been hit on since they six years old. Yeah. They know how to defend themselves. Yeah. Guys really don't. Especially if you're not if you're not a fly guy. Yeah. And you know how guys, we're funny. Men are interesting. Yeah. Unlike women, <laughs> when there's a group of guys... We know the guy who's who's the good looking guy. Yeah, yeah. The guy, we know that, and we get yeah. it. We, we get in our pecking order. Right. Women don't. <laughs> you could be a dog. You still think you hanging with the no. But guys, we know like so and so. That's right. what he do. That's right. What he does. And like, so I, I mean, I'm sure you have a friend like that. Yeah, we all got like friends that. like that. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm a chubby, funny guy. So <laughs> <laughs> the um so so you know with with that with our with our guy <laughs> with the guy that we know to be the good looking guy right. the 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 challenges that he has coming at him like if he was married yeah. you go ah oh, hey i don't yeah. know yeah. i never been hit like that yeah. and so True. i think you know so I, i'm not in judgment of guys who who cheat because i know and the same thing with women man a lot of times you know me and my wife it's weird you know, we lived in Maryland. I worked in Baltimore, 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. I work in New York. She lives, whatever. So if we had any trust issues, yeah, who done. knows? Yeah. Her joke is always like, you got another family in New York. <laughs> I mean, I could have another family in New York. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. And she could have one in whatever. <laughs> right. So I can't even. Here's my, here's my thing about women that I always say that, that, that can calm all the fellas. Fellas, if your woman is cheat, if your wife, say not woman, wife. <clears throat> if your wife is cheating on you. You'll never know. Mm. So sleep, rest at night. The only way you find out if your wife is cheating on you if is she if she wants you to know. Right. If it's revenge cheat, right. where you got caught cheating. If you got if you got caught cheating, it could happen. Mm. And she and she's gonna care. She's gonna do it. Or, or if um <laughs> if she's stupid, <laughs> or if she doesn't love you anymore. Right. If she doesn't love you anymore. All bets are off. You know right, what I mean? Right, so there right. you go, guys. So if your wife loves you right. and she's cheating on you, you never know. <laughs> and if she loves you, she's cheating on you, you don't know. Who cares? <laughs> but I mean, you know you what I'm saying? What you don't know won't hurt But you. if she doesn't, if she doesn't love you, then she'll cheat on you. <laughs> All right. All right. And the last one, number 10. Women, speaking of women, women are the best radio show producers. Uh, <laughs> I say I'll say BS. Okay. I mean, that's a curious question, Doc. I mean, <laughs> did you formulate that question? I did. That's a curious question, Doc. What does that mean? Well, I just I feel that I, I, this is my own theory, just my own observations in life that women are really good at execution, um, and men are, are more are better at sort of formulating and conceptualizing. So if you want something like out of that's why you see so many women in PR and marketing, because if you want something out in the world, um, they just have something innately great, you know, that they, they that they innately know how to do it. So that's why I asked that question because I felt like a woman produced like I I had a so my own story, I have a woman producer now producing this show. Yeah. And um, before I didn't, and I can just see sort of the difference in just some of her nuance and, and, and intuitiveness and the things that she's bringing to me. And like the show is growing; we got like three hundred listens, three hundred downloads a month now. Well, let know? me say let me say this, my my, because that's an interesting observation. Yeah, and this is probably for black uh, radio or black podcasts or black whatever. Mm-hmm. Here's my the reason I just said the the question is curious is number one, 
And actually, this for the women thing is across media, not just black radio. But yeah. for whatever reason, it's 2017, and men in charge still <laughs> have a hard time with women leading a morning show or being a star personality. It's weird. Hmm. 2017. Per- not a producer, but a star personality. Leading, right. Leading. Okay. Like, <clears throat> as the number one talent, men in the industry still have an issue, hmm. even though women are... A big part of the audience and the most loyal part of the sure. audience. Yeah. So it's weird. That's number one. Number two, um, when it comes to producing, and uh, and again, this is just my opinion, uh, black producers, right? The thing that I think is interesting and I think is hard for black folks sometimes is a producer is supposed to be, your producer is supposed to make you look like a superstar. Right. And not get any credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> Black folks, most of the time, uh, they want, credit. want credit for it. See what I did? Yeah. No, it's not about that. And so that's why True. I said it was a curious mm. question because not, not see, now women, though, sadly, are used to that, though, because <laughs> that's the role that people so put women in anyway. Yeah. So that's why yeah. I said it was an interesting question. Yeah. But, yeah, my experience with a lot of times black producers is, or just I think we are so trying to be on mm-hmm. that we always want, we're always fighting for our credit and our praise yeah and so a producer is a thankless job and a cold producer is supposed to not ever get any credit <laughs> and make the person sound like a genius yeah, yeah. so that's what that's why when you asked that question okay. i was like hmm. because i find in my experience i agree like uh yeah guys but women too though i've run into the same thing like yeah people anybody because that's why when people say I want to work behind the scenes. It happens a lot. People mm. say, I want, to be, I want to be behind the scenes. My question always is, are you saying you want to be behind the scenes because <laughs> you don't want to say I want to be a star? Yeah. Are you saying, do you really want to be behind the scenes? Yeah. Okay, you say you want to be behind the scenes, so you want to be in a role where you get no credit and mm. you make the other person a genius? Mm. That's what you want to do? Mm. And they're like, eh. because I think a lot of people are, don't, are afraid to say, hey, I want to be a superstar. Yeah. I want to be the man. I want yeah. to be the woman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. Well, see, Doc, you already are a superstar, so <laughs> you did every damn well, thing. Well, well, I mean, I'm a doctor, I'm a TV, you film. <laughs> what else can you what, Damn, Doc, I mean, you're doing everything. NFL, running back, I mean, <laughs> Dr. Gathers has done every damn thing. A judge, <laughs> you can do it all. I mean, uh, we got one talent, this brother got all kind of talents. A gynecologist, I'm a doctor, I'm a... I'm a, uh, I'm a <laughs> proctologist. Proctologist. <laughs> well, uh, just to clarify, because you asked, did I formulate that question? I write my own, all my own damn questions. Just you so like you rapper? Know. I write just my so own you know. rhymes. Uh, that's right. I write my own questions. Well, Doc, I just I wanted to make research. sure it didn't <laughs> whiff of I, that. It didn't whiff of you know, kind of a. Uh, uh, you know, kind of a sexist whiff. That's why I wanted to oh, smell it. No, no. I wanted to smell it, Doc. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Let me smell it. Not okay. At all. Not at all. That's why I was just checking, Doc. I was just checking. <laughs> Do you think women are, you know, had a check, man? Oh, I ask a lot. If you, li- you listen to some of the other show, I'll ask a lot of men, women questions. Okay. I just think, you know, they're the most interesting creature. You yeah, know, and, and, and we and we have to work with them. You know, you know, you know. I mean, like you said, you met your wife, and bam, you got the the, the best job that you had had up to that point. And I'm yeah. sure you can look to how important your wife's role is in your life. And in my my life, my wife's role is extremely important. You know, and, and that back, relationship is critical. And you know, the thing, Doc, about the kids thing that is interesting about you mentioned about the having boys and having girls. The one, the, the you know, one of the theories I look at now, man, 
it's almost like, especially black boys, yeah. that's more fragile than black girls. Oh, who are you telling me? You know what I mean? Like, Because like, like a, a black boy, the pressure, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Especially when your parents mm. are successful. Mm. Because mm. Like, like with our girls. Our girls, my girls can stay with me for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? Of course, but they, of course, they're all going to be successful. They're all right. brilliant, whatever. But a boy, yeah. Oh, you better be successful. Yeah. And so it's like we're going to give him everything he needs. Yeah. But there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and not yes. only do you have the pressure from, you know, let's say you know you're not in the hood and you have parents who are responsible like us and can provide opportunity. Well, we expect an awful lot of you. Yeah. And you still gotta be able to play basketball, be able to rap, be able to mac the honeys, be able to dress. You know what I mean? Stuff. He said stuff be able to be rap. Able to, you know what I'm saying? It's so crazy. It's ridiculous. But hey, yeah, man, that's good. You got all A's and stuff, and you're all pro. But can you rap? I mean, it's like there's social social things with us. Can you ball? Like it's like there's social True. things with us that if you can't do it. You're kind of like, oh, oh, you're cornball, right. you're corny, oh, you ain't hard, <laughs> you know. So it's like all these yeah. things with girl, girls. Girls yeah, have it crazy. too, but it's not the same. Black boys have a whole bunch. Have you, have you ever heard of author Jawanza Kunjufu? Do you know yes, him? yes. Yeah, when I was uh, like, I don't know, five or six, they gave me this book my parents called To Be Popular Smart. Mm. And that really sort of helped me see the dividing line between kind of what you're talking about and kind of what's important because I was feeling peer pressure heavy, you know, at that at that time. And um, you know, thank God. I mean, his 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 uh, uh, conclusion is, you know, you need to be smart. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, not popular. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I went uh, I, I went that route. But anyway. And then like, look at a boy. Like, if a boy's small, like yeah. if it's a big, bo- if you're a big guy, yeah, it's different. Yeah. Because you can be like, like I marched on my own drumming my whole life. Yeah. And it really didn't. Nobody was really testing. You know, they're like, eh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, right. it could go either way. Right. <laughs> Whereas if you're small, yeah. they're gonna test you. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. Oh, you going? You got busted at little white school, so you soft. You know. Right. Yeah, I was. I came back. I was like the man. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> what you know about that dude, Garon? What you know about that? <laughs> he said, "I'm not on the podcast." He's in the. He's in the room though. All right, listen. This has been fantastic, entertainment, entertaining, educational. I'm so happy, Mark, that you were able to make the time. I Doc. know you're a busy man. I hope um, I did okay, Doc, because I know I overtalk. I was not that. No, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. You know, I'm not used to being on this side of the mic. I know it's, it's a little, little role reversal for you. A little yeah. different. A little different. But but it was it was great. And um, you know, similar to you, I really hope that when, when people listen, they really get something out of it and they're able to glean something and, and improve improve their, their lives in this situation. So see that glean. Um, see that glean. You don't be you don't hear nobody say glean. You ain't never Duke, you ain't at the barbershop. Hey man, did you glean anything from that article you read in Ebony? Ain't no gleaning. <laughs> Hope you can glean. <laughs> see? Oh <laughs> yeah man. I, yeah. I like some cream too. Cream cream sugar cream and sugar. <laughs> Mark Clark, Mark <laughs> Clark, the consummate, the consummate. Glean, All right. Glean, we glean something. We're going to sign off. Good people, as I always say, the truth will set you free mm. if you let it.